Hello and welcome to Church Online for this week. It is great to have you joining with us. Uh, We're about to jump into a time of worship and I'm really, really excited because one of my favorite things about worshiping our wonderful God is that no matter where you're coming from, whether you're in a good place or a bad place today, um, yeah, we are invited to join with the whole global community of people who know and believe in Jesus. We're invited to join with the whole heavenly host of people who are with God in heaven in worshiping our King. You see, we follow this gospel message that tells us that no matter where you come from, you are welcome. Whether you're in a bad spot, whether you're in a good spot, this message is for you. You are welcome. There is a God who is here with you right now, wherever you are. He loves you deeply. And we get the opportunity to worship him in this space. So let me pray for us before we get into it. God, I want to thank you that you are good. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, Jesus, and for saving us. And thank you that you have welcomed us into your family. I pray that as we worship you today, that you would transform our hearts and that we would learn just a little bit more about what it means to know you and to be known by you. Amen. Well, hey, church family. My name's Ben, and I'm one of the youth pastors here. Thank you for for joining with us today um, and carving out the time to be be present, um, worshiping God, and and also sitting under the teaching of of Steve for today. Now, I'm really excited because I get to share or introduce you um, to two of our awesome young adults, Kayla and Caitlin, because this year, Caitlin, you're jumping into something quite exciting that we want to share with the church community. So could you do that? Could you share what are you doing this year? So I'm doing The Bridge, which is a gap year at Sydney Missionary and Bible College. And it just has a focus on mission and on learning more about Jesus yeah. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. So, so when do you start this, this year of kind of Bible college experience, mission exposure? Um, well, I started, um, on the 10th of February. Already? So, yeah, man. Yeah, I've been there for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. cool. That's <laughs> awesome. And, um, we want to ask you some more questions about what you hope to get out of the year, but uh, I also want to introduce you to Kayla because Kayla did the bridge in 2017. Um, and, and I'd love to ask you, how that year impacted and formed your life and faith. But before we do, we're going to watch a video where a bunch of other people have shared their experiences of the bridge. So we'll watch that and then we'll come back and ask Kayla what her experiences were. My favorite thing about the bridge has definitely been the mission trip. In July, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. And I learned so much about God his people and the way that he works there. I think I underestimated how big of an impact this year would have on my life. Yeah, learnt so many things about myself, about God. That's just sort of reshaped my faith. And I've really enjoyed delving deeper into the Bible this year at the bridge. What I've loved about the bridge this year is getting to know so many great uh, Christian friends and just building up our relationships with them. To be able to equip ourselves with life skills which we're going to use for the rest of our life. Um, that was just so helpful. I wanted to explore what it looked like to be a Christian who was on fire and uncomfortable in their faith.
So Kayla, you did uh, The Bridge in 2017, um, and we've talked about it, and I know that it was a significant time for you, but are you able to articulate, just like in a few, if that's possible, in a few words, the impact that that year had on you as a, as a person, as a disciple of Jesus? Yeah, so The Bridge was a very big year for me. Um, I think I very much grew into who I was, who um, God had called me to be, and I grew in a lot of confidence um, that year, and yeah, I was just reflecting on it and it was so powerful the way I could see that I had changed from the person I was the year before and the person I am now. And I think that really attributes to the relationships I built there, the people who I met and the people I still see and that the pastoral care team as well that they have there is really amazing to be guided through the year and prompted in your faith by um, very wise people. I think I also grew in my love for mission and understanding of what it means and how we're called to do that as well. I think that was a very big part of what I learned there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, I love the, the story that has been written for you and how that was kind of like a, a jumping board into the pool yeah. of life. Like I can see the impact that has made in you um, coming out of it, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And I love how that's a story that's been written for you. And I love that's a story that kind of like lays ahead of you, um, like I want to ask you, in a year from now, when you're standing where Kayla is, uh, just on the other side of the bridge, how do you hope the bridge will impact you? Well, I hope that I will grow in my relationship with God and that I will just build a really solid foundation for my years to come and really learn how to live for Jesus every day. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. I love that. I love that vision. And we're excited to see that form in you and God use this year to continue to form you. Um, so we need updates as the year goes on and <laughs> to see how it goes. Um, make sure you're asking Caitlin questions as the year progresses, how she's finding the bridge and the experiences. I mean, you're already a fortnight in, so I'm sure you already have stories to share. Um, but as a community, we do want to be supporting you throughout this year, having your back. Is there anything that we can be praying into for you? Well, I think like that I'll take all the information, not just in my head, but in my heart, and that I'll just really be able to grow mm. this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like, when it goes from head to heart. Like that's where the real formation starts to happen. Um, so, please, would you join us in praying for Caitlin across this whole year? Uh, Kayla, would you be cool to pray on behalf of the church for Caitlin now? All right, let's pray for Caitlin. Oh, Father God, we thank you for Caitlin. We thank you for her willingness and um, yeah, courage to just jump into a year that's all about you. I just pray over um, yeah her her mind as she learns all this um, really good stuff about your um, word. I just pray that yeah she would be able to absorb it and that it would be able to flow into her heart and um, her life as she walks um, and lives for you, Lord. And I just pray for the relationship she's going to build, Lord. I just pray that they'll be rooted in you. And rooted in, um, yeah, just being a light for you and being able to support people around her. Um, I just pray that this year would be exciting, that she would get to learn things, that she would get to understand who she is um, and who you've called her to be. And that, yeah, she'd be faced with a bunch of new experiences that um, challenge her, but um, grow her as a person. Um, yeah, and we just pray over her that this year would be life-changing for her and that, um, yeah, she would come out of it feeling um, equipped and ready for what you have in store. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Kayla. And thank you, Caitlin, for coming and sharing uh, what this year looks like for you. Again, I want to encourage you to ask Caitlin, follow her up, um, and be supporting her in conversation, but also in prayer uh, as the year goes.
The Bible reading today is from Mark 1:32 to 39. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The next passage is Mark six thirty to 32 The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Hi everyone and welcome to the third of our sermons in this series on discipleship. Toward the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus says to Simon and Andrew and then also to James and John, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Other translations capture this with a sense of come follow me and I will show you how to make disciples. He invites them to physically follow him, to watch him, to listen to him, to learn from him. And in doing so, they learn not just how to make disciples, but they learn how to be disciples themselves. When I chose to trust in Jesus Christ when I was 19, I was blessed by having a number of people who showed me how to be a disciple. None of them said, come, follow me. But they all lived out their faith in front of me, with me. Two of them were my pastors. They were completely different in many ways, different in their expression of faith, even completely different in how they looked and their spiritual gifts. But both of them directed me to the Gospels, to the person of Jesus Christ, that I might learn from him. One of them showed me especially what it meant to be someone who lived a life with integrity of action, to be self-disciplined in reading God's word and obeying it. The other did that as well, but he showed me especially what it meant to be a, a person with a heart that was passionate for prayer and for worship. There was another guy in my life, uh, in my young adult years, he was a CEO of a multinational corporation, a uh, very large organisation, and he and his wife showed me what it meant to be generous toward the kingdom. And Jesus spoke a lot about money and wealth. This guy didn't talk about his money or his wealth, but I came to learn just how well he stewarded what he had. Now, he and his family lived modestly uh, for the upper north shore, their four kids went to public schools, even though Barker and Knox and Abbotsley and PLC were very close by. They made decisions about how they would steward their wealth so that they could be generous to the kingdom. Each of these people allowed me and Kathy into their lives when we were teenagers and into our young adult years. They never said, follow us, but they showed us how to live out faith. And as I reflect on them, I would describe them as people who lived lives that were both filled with purpose, but also lives that were centred. And this greatly influenced me to live a life that was both filled with purpose and also centred. Now I'm just going to give you a moment to pause, whether you're by yourself or whether you're with a group of people, to think about and to discuss if you're with others. When I say lives that are filled with purpose and lives that are centred, what do you think I mean? 
When I talk about a life that is filled with purpose, what I'm saying is the sense of what I do matters, whether it's paid work or unpaid work. There's a sense that what I do, what I create has meaning and it makes a difference to other people. In a sense, this uh, life being filled with purpose is what is seen of my life. It are the, it's the outward things that I do. When I talk about a life that is centred, it's more about who I am and that that matters. It's about how I understand my identity in Christ, my calling, my inner world that is not seen. It's about knowing that what gives me worth is so much more than what I do, it's actually about who I am. It's about being centred in my relationship with God, but also centred in my other relationships. None of them instructed me on how to live a life with purpose. None of them taught me how to be centred. They just were, and I watched, and I listened, and I learned from them. And I noticed some things. I noticed that unlike many other people, they never complained about being bored. They never complained that their life was meaningless. And although their lives were extraordinarily busy, They weren't anxious or frenetic. And when they spoke with us, they weren't distracted, but they were present. They were people who had learnt from Jesus how to both do and to be. Now, when we come to the Gospel of Mark, it is incredibly fast-paced. You can be exhausted just reading it. The passage that was first read, Jesus is in Capernaum on the Sabbath. He goes to the synagogue. He's there teaching. He's casting out a demon. Straight after that, he goes to Simon and Andrew's house and he heals Simon's mother-in-law. That evening, when sunset comes, Sabbath is over. The, the whole town come to the house where Jesus is and with them they bring all the sick and all the demon-possessed and we're told that Jesus heals them. Now, that would have been a long night. But then Mark records that in the early hours of the morning, Jesus goes off alone. He doesn't tell the disciples where he's going. He just goes to a quiet place and he prays. Because it's not just about the doing, it's also about the being. And for Jesus, it's about being in relationship with the Father, spending time with the Father. He centers himself in that relationship. Now, the disciples, they don't know much about Jesus and they don't know that he he does this. And so they get a little bit panicky at this point and they go out looking for him. And when they find him, they say to him, almost with these accusations, almost like, where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus simply says, come on, there are other villages that we're going to go to. But what Jesus has done is in the midst of busyness and work and ministry, he shows them the importance of time and quietness and prayer. In the second passage, in Mark chapter 6, again, Jesus, there's a busyness to the, uh, to the passage. Jesus is going from village to village, preaching and healing. And here he calls and he sends his disciples out in pairs. And he does so with instructions. He says, I want you to go and say what I've been saying. I want you to go and do what I've been doing. Take nothing with you. Be completely dependent upon God for what you will eat and where you will stay. And so the disciples went out and they preached and they cast out many demons and they anointed people and healed them. And this is an exciting moment for them because up till now the disciples had watched Jesus and listened to Jesus, but now they were doing what Jesus did. And they made such an impact. That word got out. And people were asking, what is happening? What is happening? Who is this Jesus? Is he Elijah? Is he one of the prophets of old? Even King Herod hears about it. And with some fear and dismay, he, de- he declares, oh no, it's John the Baptist, come back from the dead. 
So it's with this sense of excitement and success that the disciples come back to Jesus and they gather around him to tell him what they have done and what they have seen God do. And with the disciples come the crowds, and that's a good thing, right? These are people coming because they want to find out about Jesus Christ, people who have seen the miracles and they want to know if Jesus Christ really is the Messiah. And surely this is the whole point of why the disciples went out and preached and healed, that crowds are now coming to find Jesus Christ. But it's right here in the middle of people coming that Jesus says to his disciples, come away to a deserted place, a quiet place all by yourselves and rest a while. I just think it's so important to notice this little break in in the, the pace of Mark's gospel. Jesus asks us to come away with him in the midst of incredible busyness. In fact, it's because of the busyness that he makes this ask of his disciples and of us. For the disciples, it was a brilliant ministry opportunity that caused their busyness. For us, it may be our jobs or our families or just the combination of all the good things that God has placed in our lives. But we must notice this, this, that in the midst of busyness, even the busyness of all the good things that God has given to us, Jesus says, come away, come away with me to a quiet place. Jesus wants for us And he shows us, his disciples, a life that is both purposeful and a life that is centred. It can't just be about the doing. It can't just be about the work. It has to also be about the being, the inner world, our connection with God. It has to be about finding a rhythm that brings together both the doing and the being. My friend says it's about finding the place where you begin working with Jesus rather than simply working for him. There's a couple of points I just want to bring out here. Jesus firstly tells us to come away and rest. When we picture rest, we imagine sleeping in or lazing by the pool or perhaps even being waited upon. We imagine that rest is the absence of work, but Jesus offers them rest, not idleness. Jesus offers them rest, not a holiday, To the disciples, Jesus offers them rest in the midst of ministry because the rest that Jesus offers is not relaxation. The rest that Jesus offers is a rest with him as we serve. It's a rest in him as we serve. What Jesus offers is a rhythm of life that is both full of purposeful activity but also full of his presence. Uh, The understanding of Sabbath captures this. There is a work that we are called to. There is a, a work that provides our lives with meaning, a work that provides for our families, a work that creates and a work that brings us satisfaction. But there is also a call to Sabbath, to set aside time each week so that we are reminded that in the end we are dependent upon God for all that we have, that we are reminded that in the end that all things come from God and that the world will continue to function when we rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, This call from Jesus is a call to those who are wearied by life's burdens, and maybe that's you. 
To those who feel the heavy weight of worry and anxiety in life, this is a call to take his yoke upon us and in laying his yoke across our shoulders, we find rest. This is not a a call to a life of ease, but a call to follow him, to serve him. This is not a call to a life um, that places no demands upon us, but what we know is that Jesus' demands are not burdensome. They are not filled with worry and anxiety because we know who Jesus is. He is gentle and he is humble in heart. And so our following, so our serving is not a burden but a delight. And it's a joy because we are aware of his great love for us. My yoke is easy, he says. And in the Greek, this word easy doesn't mean simple. It carries with it a sense of good and pleasant. So my first point, Jesus tells us to come away and rest. Secondly, Jesus calls us to come and learn. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and to love your neighbour as yourself. Only Jesus has ever lived this out perfectly. It's Jesus, he says, learn from me. Come and learn. And this is really the mark of a disciple, one who learns from Jesus, one who learns from their master. And this is what Jesus asks that we do. As followers, as disciples, we will be learners until the day we die. In the Gospel of Luke, he records a visit by Jesus to Martha and Mary. Martha invites Jesus to her home and she gets busy with all the preparations that would have been expected in that culture. But her sister, Mary, doesn't help at all. Instead, she goes and sits at Jesus' feet, listening to what Jesus is saying. Now Mary is not only distracted by all that needs to be done, but she's ticked off at her sister. And so she says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all, left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset by many things, but Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Martha is not rebuked for her service. Jesus calls attention to her distraction, her anxiety and her worry that accompanied it. What she was doing was good and fine, but her doing was sourced in obligation and anxiety, not joy. Mary's choice is better because she chose the posture of a disciple, a learner, someone who listens. In our lives that are so full of doing, Jesus calls us to come, to rest and to learn. And he shows us how to live lives that are both filled with purpose and lives that are centred. And so I just want to finish with three of the specific hows that we find here in these passages, but also in Scripture. They're not the only ways, but these are three to ponder. The first is this. The first how is to create times and places to step away from distraction. And yes, I know this is not easy. It wasn't even easy for Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's not easy for us today. In the passages, Jesus tried to go to a solitary place and pray. The disciples come looking for him. And Jesus calls his disciples to go away with him to a quiet place. But again, the crowds follow. Distraction has a habit of following us and not letting us go. We live lives of constant distraction. Our phones are on, our screens, our music is always on. We are constantly surrounded with people and with chatter, either real or online. We are constantly able to access information. We are constantly able to keep in touch with what's happening in our circle or friends or even across the world. There is always something to do. 
always something that needs to be finished. There is always more work that needs to be done. There is always more time that we need to spend with parents or with kids or with friends. It's not easy, but we need to find times and places without distraction to switch off the noise, to switch off the constant sources of information and stimulation and simply come away with him. To, to a place where we can think, to a place where we can hear, a place where we can read his word, a place where we can pray, a place where we can listen to create, a place where we can be attentive, where we can worship, where we can simply be still. It's not easy, but we have to persist. The second how that comes through scripture is choosing. We need to choose what we will put into our life rather than just allowing everything and anything to come in. We need to choose what habits and rhythms to build into our life. We get a sense that for Jesus, prayer was his habit. It was rhythm. He didn't write in a diary, pray to the Father at this time. He just did it because it was part of who he was. It was his habit and his rhythm. Most of our behaviors are formed by habit. And so let's choose habits that let us find a rhythm that enable us to work well, to eat well, to sleep well, to serve well, to engage with one another well. Again, this is not easy. It requires self-discipline. If you want to grow in self-discipline, what I've found really effective is fasting, just that rhythm of giving up. It grows us in self-discipline and it helps us in choosing habits and rhythms in our life that that are helpful. Paul also speaks about what we choose to fill our mind with. In Philippians chapter 4, he talks about, uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Create time and space, but also choose your habits and the rhythms, what you will fill your life with. And just the final how I want to talk about. How to live with purpose and how to live a life that is centred is to commit. Take the risk of committing. The reality is that in our culture we have so many choices and we have so many choices that we often struggle to commit to any one of them. And there becomes a sense of anxiety, this fear of missing out if we choose one over the other. So we need to commit. We need to take the risk of committing. Commit to Jesus. Commit to relationships. Commit to community. Commit to your calling. Commit to your vocation. There's this false narrative that freedom means being free of commitments. If you're committed, then you can't do what you want to do when you want to do it. But that's so not true. If we refuse to commit, it doesn't make our lives happier. It actually sets us adrift in a lonely and a confusing sea of choices none of which will bring us joy. So commit. During the three years that the disciples followed Jesus, they learnt that their lives were to be far more than just fishing and collecting taxes. There was a call upon them to make disciples of all people, taking the message of God's grace in Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. But they also learnt that in doing so, Their doing was grounded in their being. Their doing was grounded in their relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Paul would later call the followers of Jesus Christ those who were in Christ, at the very essence of who we are. That is who we are. We are in Christ. That is our being which gives rise to our doing. And I just want to say that remains as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. As we finish, there's just a couple of things I would love for you to ponder. Firstly, for you, what is easier? Is it the doing or the being? Is it the finding a life of purpose and meaning? Or is it about the centered being centered in God? And my second question is this. In terms of the hows that we spoke about, the creating space, the choosing well and the committing, which of those might you press into in response to God's word today?